Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Mass Card Radio. This is episode number eight. Uh, I'm your host, co-host, Val, and uh, the uh, amazing Jason. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's nice to do a Memorial Day weekend edition. Yeah, I am so excited um, for our <laughs> show today. It's, you know, it's, for me, this is like one of the best weeks ever. Um, you have the Hall of Fame announcement uh, Wednesday, and then we have um, a recording on uh, Sunday here. So we have the, the Coke 600 today, the longest race of the year. Um, and it's the, the best day in motorsports because we have the Indy 500 today and then the Coke 600. Um, just so much stuff was going in, on in town. I went to the Kyle Busch fan day. It was just, I'm just so excited. It's, it's amazing. So. I totally forgot about the Indy 500. Uh, <laughs> one of our one of our acquaintances is this is the day of the year for him. Uh, I think you know Ken Kinsley, or at least have talked to him. But yes. uh, yeah, this yes. is like his Christmas. So <laughs> yeah, for motorsports guys, today is the day. Um, yeah, I talked to Ken. He's uh, he seems like a really great guy. Um, actually, would like to uh, have him on the show. We've kind of talked a little bit. I don't, didn't tell you about it, but uh, about the T thirty six. It's not really a NASCAR set, but it's one of the earliest racing sets. Um, yeah, I've and, definitely seen uh, some pictures of his stuff, and you know, I never thought we definitely need to get him on. Maybe we can do that for the next one and talk about what happened. So, yeah, that would be that would be great. So I'll try to set that up. Uh, we can jump into it. We kind of already did. You know, um, we had last week's um, was the All-Star Race, and Kyle Larson won that. That was a very interesting race. I don't know if you got to see that. Uh, I did watch some of it, and I think we should make it known that both of our predictions were incorrect. Uh, you <laughs> picked Chase Elliott, and I picked Keselowski, and we were both wrong, so... Well, I guess, I, you know, I knew it was going to be a Chevy. Um, and uh, Byron's on the pole today, Chevy, another Chevy Hendrick. So um, I don't know what it is about this one, but we'll see. But, yeah, we were both well, technically we were wrong. So, um, But uh, Kyle Larson, that was his first win. or It wasn't really a you – know, uh, doesn't count towards points or anything like that. So it's more of um, – help the bank account there with that win. But it's good that he was able to show some of that clout that that he was able to win, get the speed and everything like that. So I'm hoping that um, Chip Canassi Racing is turning it around. Um, he did really well uh, when he came on the circuit and I remember now I have to look it up. I know his rookies are in 2013 because it was one of the guys that um, I kind of heard about beforehand and was watching him and started picking up his rookies, and uh, those were in 2013. I think uh, he's got 2013 fanfare and 2013 total memorabilia. Yeah, there's a total. I just happen, of course, to always look it up and. The total memorabilia, there's only a gold on check out my cards, but it's one of the more expensive ones. It's eleven twenty five eleven dollars and twenty five cents. Uh, so that's definitely one of the higher ones that we've talked about lately. 
Yeah. Um, and that's I think is a numbered version. There's a numbered and non numbered. It is. Yeah. Um, let me see. I'm looking here on. Um, so he started racing in 13, and I think it was Charlotte in the fall was his first one. Uh, actually, that was one where I had gone to that little 600 and um, gotten some tickets for that, and that was his first uh, cup race. Um, but he he had one win in 2016, and then 2017 he had four wins. Uh, he ranked, um, let's see, in 16 he ranked ninth total at the end of the season. 17, he were he ranked 8th total. Uh, and then last year, he ranked ninth, but he didn't have any wins, but he had 12 top fives. So a lot of, a lot of the uh, teams struggled last year. I think it was, he was, they were Chevy last year. I mean, let's see. So, but in a nutshell, he's got five wins so far. Uh, this one, and those are the four in 2017 and one in 2016. Like I said, this one, the also race was not a a points race. Uh, this was just total cash prize. Um, like I say for the, and that was a 2013 press pass. There were some other series in 2013, but he um, was just in those two. Um, so there's not a lot of stuff to chase for his rookie. Um, no, and I'm even looking, um, and this is something we've never talked about because it's never come up with any of the other drivers, but um, he has a, a Sports Illustrated for Kid card from 2011. Uh, it's just a picture of the car, more so than of Kyle himself, but uh, it's interesting because you don't see that very, at least I don't see that very often, and I know a lot of people, I'm sure that Tiger Woods Sports Illustrated card you've seen, but that for some people is like the the, the Tiger Woods rookie card to get. Um, I'm sure this isn't the same because it's a different time period, but you know he does have a 2011 Sports Illustrated for kids card. That one now, looks like it. So uh, where are you seeing that? Because that one, um, I looked at that and it was kind of, I think it was marked wrong. Where if you is flip it over, okay. yeah. If you look at uh, look, if you can see the back of the image, look when the copyright date is. I'm looking. I don't see anything. So I don't think it's a 2011 date. I think it's um, later than that. Yes. How can you mess something up like that? Um, again, where are you seeing it? Is it on eBay? Well, it's, on or is it on... it's on Check Out My Cards, but I'm looking. I don't see a date on the back. The only thing that... Oh, yeah, it has to be because... It's got to be like a 17 because it says who won the 2016 NASCAR Cup Championship. Yeah, yeah so it's got to be. That's crazy that, that something like that is that, that wrong, that much of a gap. <laughs> Well, that, and that's why okay. we're here, right? We're trying yeah, to educate so folks. Forget that. So. <laughs> so yeah, so he has the total memorabilia, and uh, there's a couple of flavors for that. Um, and the fanfare, 
there's a couple of flavors or, or um, different kind of chase, and then you have uh, autographs as well. And they're actually not too bad on price wise. Um, now is probably the time to pick them up. Uh, you always want to get them when they're off cycle, kind of thing. You want to get them when uh, they're not doing as well um, than when they're red hot, right? Well, of course. And uh, there's some die uh, die cut of the fanfare. And total memorabilia. Oh yeah, t the total memorabilia. There's some different runs for it too. That's a really thick card, and they have the autograph is not on card, so they've um, taken some pieces of paper and then put that into the card, like a little window box, uh, like a window gotcha. Um So it, it depends on how. I like the fanfares um, over the total memorabilia, but you know that's just personal preference. Uh, I like the die cut and the, and I did like the fanfare. Um, was it 2011 or 2000? I think it was 2011 was the first year for fanfare, and they ran from 2011, 2012, and 2013. Uh, I think they did away with it in 14. But did the um, it's not a a, a bad or or a hard to. Fine card. I think you can find those on eBay. Like I said, um, I don't know if you want to talk about the some of the race events this week, or we get into yep. the SDP. I'm good either one. Your pick. Sure. Let's um hit on the uh, race stuff. So, um, like I said, there were so many events this week in Charlotte stuff going on um, is like I said if you can ever get to Charlotte um, if you live by a track you have events as well but um, everything is so concentrated here in Charlotte um, because the race teams are here and they're off from uh, that week from the officer race to um, the, sh the 600 today that they don't have to travel so you had the little 600 was one event and then you had the NASCAR Hall of Fame um, uh, reveal or, or announcement, which was Tony Stewart, Joe Gibbs. The next one was Waddell Wilson, Buddy Baker, and Bobby Labonte, which is quite interesting because three of them, you know, with Joe are tied to Joe Gibbs, um, and um, that was really cool. Um, Tony Stewart was there, and um, what am I drawing a blank? Uh, actually, Jeff Gordon was there to, uh, uh, I guess, congratulate Tony. Uh, Richard Petty was there. It's really good. It's all open to the public at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and uh, that was Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, there was stuff in town. Um, Richard Childress, Austin Dillon, Ty Dillon, and they had Martin Truex uh, at ProBass. They're they're big with the ProBass, and then um, which was funny, they was a Ryan Newman and Clint Boyer when they had that fight the other day, uh, where Clint Boyer went over there and punched um, oh, yeah, Ryan Newman. Great. But 
Yeah, about so they they were at the same sign, uh, and they had them separated. I heard the, from guys uh, when I was at the Kyle Busch thing, they said that they, they, they put them together. There was no hard feelings between the two. Um, so that, would, that, that skirmish didn't last long. And then Friday, now, there was Kyle Busch. Yes? Well, I was going to add something and then ask you a question. Um, with Buddy Baker... That's not a name that I was familiar with until earlier this year because um, his cards were actually in 2018 Sport Kings. Um, he has base, autographs, and relics. So that was a name that I wasn't familiar with until this year. To me, it seems odd that somebody, like at least looking at the pictures with Baker and Wilson, that they've been out of the sport for a long time. It seems to me that it's odd that they're going in with newer drivers like Stewart and Labonte. Is that, is that normal that there are years in between, you know, guys being in the sport that are active or, you know, how, how does that work that it's old and new? They, so NASCAR has been around for about 70 years. I think maybe it was 70 or 71 this year. And the NASCAR Hall of Fame has only been around since 2010. Oh, okay. And, that makes and, perfect sense. Yeah, so and they only and um they only select five people a year. And so you know, you have a lot of um guys that are founding um uh, founding fathers of the sport or, or really early stars or that mid level. Um and Buddy Baker falls into that uh, mid to late level. He's in the 72 STP set. Really, and the older guys are judged different than the newer guys. You know, right or wrong, um, the sport is totally different now than it was years ago. Uh, years ago, the guys actually drove the car to the race and, and raced, and they wanted to make sure they didn't mess up or um, <laughs> they weren't getting home. And then later on, they were trailered, and now you have, you know, this massive um, – um, conglomerate type thing, creating cars and racing cars. Right. Uh, you know, I think Richard Petty talks about um, uh, when they, his dad raced, Lee Petty raced, uh, he totaled the car, so they had to hitchhike home one time. So, um, you know, totally different. And, and your crew chief and the pit stops weren't developed. The pit stops would take, you know, a long time as opposed to the choreographed pit stop it is now. And then, you know, they had... Uh, um, they didn't have impact wrench or impact air guns and stuff like that. So uh, everything has evolved. So the older guys are judged kind of different than the newer guys. And Buddy Baker is one of those guys. He was one of the first ones to go over 200 miles an hour or go 200 miles an hour on a closed course at Talladega. Uh, Talladega, when it first opened, I think it was in 69, they had issues with the tires and, um, some of the drivers decided that it was too dangerous. The tires couldn't handle the speeds, and they wanted them to kind of not go as fast. And so a lot of them boycotted and left. Um, but like I said, later on, um, Buddy Baker did 200 miles at Talladega, and he was also an announcer. So, um, And he is he was Buck Baker's son, and Buck Baker's also in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, so that's... Um, so he doesn't necessarily have the stats. 
yeah, he doesn't have the stats that, you know, um, some of the other guys might have, but uh, he's definitely uh, worthy to be in the Hall of Fame. And I did talk to Winston Kelly. He runs um, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And I did ask him about, um, and I had mentioned it before, Kirk Shepardine. He was on the list and then was off the list this year. And right. I did talk to him about that. He let me know that <clears throat> that they are voted on the list every year. So, And he said that there were other times where people left the list and didn't get it back on. And I think that was when they went from 25 to 20 and they changed it to a landmark award. And SO4 got the landmark award. This is for folks that maybe weren't drivers, but they're instrumental in helping NASCAR and, and racing. Uh, and he was also there as well. And, um, you know, on a side note, it was really cool to, um, I got to talk to him a little bit, and I was getting Eddie Wood's autograph on an old card, and he made a comment that he that he liked the uh, the vintage racing card. So uh, it was always cool to. He seems like a really cool guy, Edsel Ford. Um, but they also had a um, <clears throat> members only signing event and a Q and A yesterday, and, and Bobby Labonte was there, Wado Wilson was there, and Joe Gibbs and. Um, Winston Kelly was talking about how well, we had talked about Joe Gibbs is the only member they could find that was in two Hall of Fames. So uh, that was really uh, cool to see him there and talk and, and talk about uh, Gibbs, Joe, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and how they started uh, with him and his son on uh, a napkin and they went to Interstate Batteries. And actually, he announced that they uh, extended Interstate Batteries sponsorship for another 30 years. Uh, which is amazing, and he told the story of that when he went to Interstate Batteries and said that, you know, they're going to create a team, and they asked who the driver was, and he said, you know, we don't have a driver yet, and they asked him, well, where's your shop? And he said, we don't have a shop yet. It was, you know, early on in the dream phase. So it was pretty cool to see that um, transform into um, Gibbs Racing, and when I was getting an autograph from him, I asked him, I said, you know, the, the, the guys are doing really good this year with, well, I think we said it was seven wins out of the 12 or 13 races so far. I guess, you know, we're going to have to decide who who of his guys are going to get the championship. So, Yeah, that's but, crazy. Uh, it, it's really cool with NASCAR and, and the access you have to the, the drivers and, uh, and, and the folks in the sport. So, um, And then there was the Kyle Busch. A fan club at his uh, truck um, shop, and that was pretty cool. Um, and I saw people with all kinds of different stuff, from cars, diecast cars, to windshield, to sheet metal. Uh, one lady has a little scooter. Um, she has an old lady, and had Kyle Busch sign his sign her scooter. So, <clears throat> uh, and they had auctions there for shoes and champagne bottles and stuff, and they were in the Two hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollar range uh, for stuff it was really cool. But the guys in line were talking about there were other fan days going on. With Casey Kane had a fan day, and then um, David Gilland and Natalie Decker, she uh, drives for for him. So just in the whole Charlotte area, there was all kinds of stuff going on. I think Brad Gislowski was at Total Wine, and so I guess I'm saying all that just to let you know that. There's just you know so much in this that you can do and, and get access to 
drivers that you I don't think you can get at other sports. You would probably tell yeah. me better than that. Yeah. So it's um, pretty interesting. And then they'll have them at the tracks, too. If you go to the races, <clears throat> if you go early enough, um, they'll have the haulers set up, and, like, Ford will have a display, and Toyota will have a display. And they'll actually put a sign up and let you know when the drivers will be there to sign autographs as well. Um, so that's uh, another thing too. If you go to the track, so <clears throat> um, I don't know if you have any questions. We can jump into the seventy-two STP. Uh, no, I mean, I guess one general question I I kind of have been I guess waiting to ask is, you know, on a since they do so many fan days and signings and they have all this great access. I'm assuming they probably don't do as much on the race day, correct? Or they probably don't do anything on race day. What do they, you know, how does that work? I mean, because in comparison, you know, baseball players walk down the, the, you know, the foul line down on the side of the stands and they'll sign autographs before they go into the dugout. How does that work for, for racing and for races on, you know, a, a general schedule? They actually, um, they'll do stuff on race day, but it'll probably be at the track. And that's what I was saying, like, with uh, Toyota and uh, Ford, whoever they're running with. Like, today, uh, the race is, um, I think introductions are at 5, race starts at 6. Track opens at 1, so I wouldn't be too surprised to see drivers sign in today, anywhere from 11 or something to about 3. They'll be at the track. Um, they'll be in the pits if you have a hot pass, whatever. They'll be at their pits, at their haulers, um, running around. You know, they'll be there for driver interest. So they'll be at the track. And if you ever watch them on TV, you'll see they're walking by and they're signing stuff. Um, they're they're signing everywhere. And they go to the driver's meeting. Now, if you go to a track or get a hot pass, uh, there's a mandatory driver's meeting, and you can get them going uh, to and from the driver meeting, stuff like that. Um, some folks are more uh, maybe focused. Like Tony Stewart, I know is you know if he when he's at the track, he's in that mode. Um, other ones, you know, they're signing and stuff. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does absolutely. Because I mean, especially when you said about Tony Stewart, like personality. Of course, everybody's different. Uh, you know, being in the Pittsburgh area, people used to talk about bonds. You know, he was never going to sign, but other guys would for the Pirates. So, I mean, everybody had their their horror stories with people, but I guess I just didn't realize just how much of a, I guess how early the track opens because with baseball games, you know, the gates open an hour and a half before the game, not seven hours before the race kind of thing, you know what I mean? So uh, it's definitely different, different atmosphere, different sport. So, but yeah, definitely answers my question. So NASCAR, if you go into a NASCAR track, I would check um, the details on it. But here in Charlotte, you can bring food and 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 drink. Um, you know, there's just no glass. Um, because I guess they know it's a long event and you can bring in food. And uh, people, I've seen guys bring, uh, what is it, like a suitcase of beer? 
Uh, the, the thing is, it's got to be able to sit underneath your seat. So they'll bring like a suitcase of beer and they'll rip the top off and just fill it with ice and take it with them. And then, you know, they, they leave the track later with nothing. Um, I've seen people stop at like Bojangles or something like that and get a, a big tailgate special of all this chicken and whatever, and they'll just bring it in with them. Right. Um, so it's definitely not like uh, like when I used to go to the Panthers games, they would just bring in two bottles of water and that's it. You know, that's got to be sealed. Clear your bag and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, granted, this was years ago. I saw two guys. One of them had a, a liter of Mountain Dew, and the other one had one of Jack Daniels. <laughs> so uh, I, they kind of disappeared about halfway halfway through the yeah. race. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know we're going to talk about the 72 STP set next, and I have to mention something, and hopefully, you know, what we've talked about this whole time in doing this show is, you know, just educating people. Um, and I will be the first one to admit that I've been educated so much uh, with the racing and the NASCAR cards. But I have to tell you a little story, very brief. We actually went to a flea market yesterday up where we live. Uh, we're in Pennsylvania. We live on National Pike, Route 40, so National Road. Uh, so, of course, there's all kinds of holiday events. We actually went to a flea market yesterday, and there was a guy that had a couple random racing cards on his table. Um, so I jumped up, went over and looked, and I actually thought that they were what we talked about on the last show, the whatever year you want to call them, the 70, 71 Fleer, those 10-card sets, the, uh, the STP. The drag strips. Yes. I actually thought it was those at first, um, and it's kind of funny that we're talking about the 72s today because that's actually what they were. But uh, he had two or three cards. I never even asked price because never even clicked. Um, but it, it's just funny because eight, ten weeks ago, whenever we started this, I would have had no clue what they were. But now that we've talked about stuff a few times, I've seen pictures and articles um, I didn't know exactly what they were. Um, I knew they were one or the other, but then after I looked at them, I knew that they were maybe the lesser popular or lesser scarce. Uh, but, you know, without doing this show and without talking to you, I would have had no clue uh, what they were. So I definitely hope that, you know, we can help some other people feel the same way I did yesterday. Yeah, and that I think is the best, and that's what we're doing this, is the best feeling is, you know, a lot of people either don't collect racing and when you stumble upon stuff and you have an idea of what it is and, you know, maybe you can get a bargain and, uh, and, and also make sure you don't get taken. So, um, that's awesome. So they must've been like emo Langley's or something like that. Those are more, I mean, I'm really well, they had who, who they were. Yeah. And you know, and the, the event is once a month. Uh, so maybe if we go back next month, uh, I can check them out and see if the guy just happens to be there again. I think there were two or three cards, but the reason that I knew that they weren't uh, the earlier set, uh, the drag strips, was because the cards had numbering on the back. And one of the cards was like number 42 or 45 or something like that, so I knew right away that it wasn't the earlier set. Oh, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't an STP event. It was something else. Because the STP has um, no numbering. 
okay, so excuse me, not the STP. It was the FLIR AHRA drag. Yes, okay. That's what it was. Sorry, the wrong one. But I knew that it was, you know, not like one or the other, but I knew it was in that time frame. Uh, but I was definitely looking to see if it was the early drag strip cards. But, yeah, it was definitely the 72 FLIR AHRA cards. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit more because um, I knew we were going to talk about this today. You know, the FLIR was produced, the, the 1970 FLIR and drag strips were produced by FLIR, available in wax packs, or, you know, um, yeah, it was a wax pack with stickers. And it probably had a large print run. But the 72 STP, they weren't available in packs. They weren't available in, you know, there was no card company. It wasn't Tops, wasn't Clear, wasn't um, Don Ross or anybody. Um, they, these were produced by Annie Granatelli of STP fame. Um, he was really big in the racing, like we talked about, um, you know, the, the whole 70 Fleer um, drag strips with the STP logo on it and stuff. And this is one of the sets where I couldn't find a lot of information in, so this took me numerous years to learn about these sets. <clears throat> and then everybody's got the benefits of, of, of learning what I've learned, and I wanted to share uh, naturally. So, and we had talked about it last time, like, you know, trying to date them and, and stuff like that. Right. These have a full color photo on front and then some writing on the back. Uh, there's a few sentences about the driver's accomplishments or performance and, um, and has a Zodiac sign. And they all say compliments of STP Corporation and they give the address 125 Oakton Street, um, Del Plains, Illinois, and colored by Racing Pictorial Magazine, and they give their addresses, P.O. Box 500, Indianapolis, Indiana. <clears throat> and some of that, there's clues in, in that statement. Um, Racing Pictorial Magazine was a magazine that came out, I think it started in 59, and they used color photos. Um, everybody else was shooting black and white films for the newspapers and stuff like that. And... Uh, Racing Pictorial was run by Ray Mann. He was a photographer. And if you look at some of these early um, early 70s photos of Racing Pictorial, you see some of these same photos that you see on the STP cards. They might be a couple of uh, shutter clicks away. And so, you know, on the back, I guess we can go in the the two things, one is maybe when the cards were made and the second one is how they were distributed. I guess we'll go with the latter first. Um, so I contacted, I've seen them on eBay. You never find a set. They were not in the wax or anything like that. And the folks were saying that any, they got them from Andy Grantelli at Speed Street in 72, 1972, uh, Daytona Week in Daytona, Florida. And some of the drivers in the set, I think it's a it's eleven card set. Um, eleven card set featuring ten different drivers. Fred Lorenzen has two different cards. Um, 
and so Benny Parson, Bobby Allison, Buddy Baker, Charlie Glosbach, Dave Marcus, Emo Langley, uh, Fred Lorenzen has two cards, James Hilton, Dick Brooks, and Richard Petty. Those are the drivers. Um, I was, after years searching, I found the cards. They don't show up on eBay as much as other cards do. Um, I think these are really small print runs. Um, like I said, around the, the, you know, when you talk about 1970 clear drag strips, it probably had a large print run. Um, Annie Grant and Telly, you know, there was no distribution for these other than handouts at the tracks. Um, you know, I broke down the verbiage on every one of the cards to find out what the verbiage was talking about and what race and what the earliest could have been that the cards were produced. And usually everything falls into around mid-June of 71. Um, some fall into maybe um, mid-July of 71. But everything falls into um, the latest of July 18th of 1971. So the best that could have been done is uh, had those written and then produced. And so they could have been given away at the fall of 71 and then in the 72 season. Some people have talked about um, there was a track in either California uh, later in the race that they got them. And so they're in that time range uh, of right there in that, you know, 72. And what's interesting about the 72 Daytona is uh, one person said they got all the cards except, and they only got one of the Lorenzans and not two. So let's go back to the Lorenzans. There's two Lorenzans. One is a close-up of him, like a portrait. And there's another one, him kneeling next to the car. And in 1971, he ran, STP sponsored him. So Harry Lorenzen raced and then retired, I think it was in 65. Um, and then he came back for a small stint. And Fred Lorenzen and Andy Grandatelli knew each other. Uh, they're both from... Illinois, uh, Andy Grantelli actually, I think I had said before, had a little circuit of race, you know, a little racing circuit where he's a promoter. And um, there was an article that basically, I think it was in 71 about them getting back together. And this was STP's, you know, they sponsored the car. And I think it was 14 races that they ran in, in 71. But I say all that to say that in 72, Fred Lorenzen didn't run the 1972 SCP. And that people had said that Fred Lorenzo was also handing out cards in 1972 at Daytona. Let me pull up here. Sack. So it kind of, I know it's somewhat convoluted, but uh, he ran 14 in 71 and then eight races in 72. And Darlington was his first race. And he wasn't sponsored by STP. He was sponsored by Lemon Tree Inn. Uh, 
those 14 races in 71, he was sponsored by STP. <clears throat> so, and then, and famously in 1972, so it looks like Andy Granatelli had backed Fred Lorenzen for sponsoring the car and then switched famously to Richard Petty in 1972. So, uh, with using some of this backstory, so the fact that Lorenzen's got two cards makes me think that maybe the cards were printed in late 71. Um, Cause later Prior on the season, the 70, uh, you know, with the contract ending, um, right. it w- it'd be different to have him with a card next to a car, next to the STP car, as opposed to just a portrait type of thing. Um, so he did run some races late in 71. He ran, um, I think my notes say, um, like, the race number 30 or 31 in the 71 season. And that he ran Talladega, which was race 37, and then Dover, which is race 43. So it could have been a real small run of him by the car. And that is the, the rarest card that I know of in the last... What year is it? 2019. Um, I guess the last 14 years I've seen about three. Um, it's really so tough. So which one is the rarest card? Him kneeling next card. to the STP car. Uh, so, if you go okay, to so. racing card info and go into yep. the checklist, um, the 1972 STP, you'll see the cars or cards, and you can see him kneeling next to the car. The backs are identical. I was able to get um, the photo of the front and the photo of the back that um, there's a, a gentleman in Texas who has one. So I could so, verify. You had mentioned earlier that somebody said they got 10 cards and got one of the Lorenzen's, not both. So do you know for sure if these were handed out individually or as a group of 10? That's my first question. So I think at Daytona they might have been handed out as 10, or I don't know if some were handing out some and some were handing out others. I have other folks that say that they were in the press. There was a, a gentleman who was a, when he was a child, his dad worked in the press booth, and that Fred Lorenzen and I think Manny um, were there, and they had handed those out. Okay. Because that would absolutely make sense that, if the one of him kneeling is, in your opinion, the rarest card out there, that would make sense if it was randomly inserted uh, in these packs of ten and replaced his, his base card, we'll call it. Uh, I mean, that would make sense, you know, to produce some sort of chase element to it. I mean, there's nothing that tells me they wouldn't have done that, uh, you know, companies were doing that 100 years before that even so, or not 100 years, but you know what I mean. And uh, so it definitely seems like an element that they could have added in, um, but like you said, it would be nice to just, you know, have some numbering or have some definite answers on it. Yeah, the back of his card actually, the, it, the last race it references is race number 23 of the season, which was June 13th of 1971. So it's possible that 
they did the one with him next to the car to give out. And either maybe it was a good promotion or he decided with Ray Mann, hey, let's do the rest of these guys or do some of these guys. And, you know, again, at that age or at that time, it was all about promoting STP. Um, and not necessarily, I don't think, the cards. And I had contacted him through the mail and asked him some questions if he knew, remembered anything. And he said, unfortunately, he did not. And that, um, you know, there was so much stuff going on. And this was, I think it was a couple of years ago. Let me pull this out of here. Yeah, I um, I kind of sent him a 1972 STP set questionnaire. And I wrote down some questions, and I said, do you know where and when the 72 STP cards were given out? And he said, at racetracks. And uh, and why are there two different Fred Lorenzen cards? He said he didn't remember. And uh, who printed or produced the cards and how many were made? He said he didn't remember those either. And then any other thoughts or comments about the 1972 STP set? He said, no, sorry, all of this was 39 years ago, and I have uh, crossed a million bridges since then. And this is Granitelli, right? Yep. He said, I, I do not remember much of the above, and assigned Andy. Now, by any chance, did you ever try, and I know nothing about Lorenzen, like his life and death or anything like that, did you ever reach out to him, or were you able to? So I um, I will have not been able to talk to him about it. Uh, he has uh, dementia, and uh, he he's actually um, in like assisted living facility now. And he has good days and bad days. I've contacted his daughter, uh, and I actually sent him uh, one of those articles, um, and I had contacted her because he was still signing still. But he had, like I said, had good days and bad days, and had. Um, asked if he, he would sign one of my STP cards, which he did. So that's the other thing, too, is I've been working on an autograph set of the 1970 STPs, like I said, with me. Um, I've just gotten jumped feet first and got a lot of stuff autographed by folks. I'm only missing the Benny Parsons, I think, and the Dick Brooks, but I have the rest uh, autographed. So you have nine of the 11 autographed? Yes. So the other this is going off on a tangent here, but the other two that you're missing, um, what has been the difficulty in getting those two particularly signed? Uh, the two are uh, Benny Parsons and Dick Brooks. So they both passed away. And okay. um, and since they hardly show up on the market unsigned, I have not seen them on the market signed. Gotcha. So if they pop up or anybody has any, um, I would definitely be interested in acquiring them. So, you know, I guess I was, you know, 20 or 30 years late on this set um, to try to pursue it and, and unearth some of the key elements to it. And that's, you know, I look at it like the early uh, baseball card sets or maybe why things happened. You know, we look at it different than the, the folks who maybe produced it or the mindset was totally different back then than it, than it is now with collecting. But, but it's really a cool set. Um, like I said, very tough. Um, I've been working on a PSA graded suit as well. What's your progress uh, on that? I'm curious. Some of them I have fallen back on because I've cracked them out to get them autographed. Oh, uh, okay. So I figured it was easier for me to find new ones than to find them autographed. 
if I had the opportunity to get them autographed. Um, okay. And then about about scarcity. So some, um, so many, let's, and so let's, there's another thought I have on this. <clears throat> so I had mentioned Rayman. He was part of Racing Collectibles, and mm-hmm. he he must have helped produce them because Rayman kind of closed up shop and closed his Racing Pictorial magazine in the mid. 80s, I think it was 85, 86, and a gentleman named Dane Turner purchased his his assets, everything, and I think Rayman was just getting ready to, to retire, and I talked to Dane a little bit about this, and so Dane Turner had all of the images. Um, the, other, the other thing Rayman produced is a placemat. If you ever seen Racing Pictorial, there's a place place mount. I think it's 11 by 17, and on the front is a, a nice image, color image, and then on the back it's got information on it. And so I think he thought uh, instead of cards, he was going to produce these place mats, and you know actually made a great sense, right? So uh, the guys could get these place mats and put them on their tables. Maybe the wife wants them. I don't know, or he they can hang them and display them. Um, and so Rayman, Rayman. Dane Turner purchased the, all of this. And in there were the 72 STPs uh, and some other sets we'll talk about uh, in future episodes. And um, he was big in the cards and everything, and he actually produced um, the first racing card price guide. And that was Racing Collectibles Price Guide. And that started the first issue, volume one, number one, was December of 1989. And it, when he produced that price guide later on, um, people who subscribe to the price guides, uh, he actually um, had some sell sheets that you could buy some cards. Okay. And in that, and I think that's why some of them are more common than others, like uh, the email Langley and um, Buddy Baker. I think those are the two that are easier to find than the others. Uh, over my uh, last hunt for these, the Bobby Allison is really tough. The Benny Parsons is really tough. Um, we've already talked about the Fred Lorenzen next to car. The regular Fred Lorenzen is also tough. Um, Richard Petty is not that tough, but they get snapped up pretty quick just because... Um, and I don't know if these are, I guess these are considered XCR, XRCs, um, since they weren't available in packs or anything like that. But they're highly desirable, very, very tough to find. And, um, you know, the first time that the NASCAR drivers are depicted on cars, uh, not in the cars, like the 70 drag strips. And, again, um, you know, details a little bit about their, their 1971 season. I know that's a lot of information to digest. You know what? Every episode is a lot of information to digest because I'm so <laughs> new to it. But, uh, you know, just to give everybody out there a little idea of the pricing of these cards and the scarcity, so I'm looking as we're talking and looking up certain drivers as we're going through, and I noticed Richard Petty does not have an, a 72 STP card currently on eBay. Um, however, there was a completed auction, a sold auction for a signed version that was almost $500. Uh, so definitely definitely pricey for the signed ones and 
hard to find. Yeah. And I guess when I say they're, they're tough to find, and the prices can vary. Um, it all depends on who's looking. I think a PSA right nine. Yeah, so I, I think it was a was it a Fred Lorenzo next to the car, or was it maybe it was next to the car? And I think it was a PSC seven. It went for two thousand dollars. Uh, and that's I think the gentleman is on the PSA registry set. Um, they come up more often than not not graded. Uh, I've been contacted by uh, some folks, and um, you know I kind of tell them that they probably need to get them graded. There is a PSA nine STP PSA, um, and not necessarily to, to dig on that, but I'm not a big fan of that nine. That nine's got some yellowing around his head, and then but I do have a nine um, BGS. Um, that was probably the most expensive car that I purchased, single car that I purchased. Um, but otherwise, than that, um, you know, they're looking they're looking at like a thirty dollar range to maybe a couple hundred. I think when Bobby Allison went for a few hundred. Um, so they're not thousands of dollars. We're not talking Jordan, Michael Jordan numbers. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, but they're so. Scarce. That's why I was trying to say is I don't even know what the print run is. They probably could be less than a hundred, less than two hundred. Um, again, they've had to survive all this time. Um, the gentleman that had the PSA nine and some of the other stuff, his grandfather had them, and I think they had them in a book, so they weren't handled. There were remember back then there were no um, protective card holders or right. whatever. That's, that's the other thing too. I see is back when the price guides and stuff came out and these were sold, the, the plastic screw-downs were big, and people put the plastic put them in the plastic screw-downs with no penny slating. Now, that gloss adheres over time to that plastic, and I can't tell you how many I've seen um, where they've taken it apart and it's stuck to the front. So you will see numerous cards that the paper's missing from the edges, or one of the edges, and that is why. Yeah, because that's one of the first things you see, uh, like on Facebook groups or Twitter, you know, a person that has a card, they'll say, how much is this worth, and it's in a screw down, and the first thing that people will say was, no matter what, take it out of there, uh, first thing, because what you think it is before you take it out might not be what it is after, so, uh, yeah, that's definitely, you know, those were the the thing back in the late 80s, but now that people have left them in there for years, it's uh, more more harm than good. So, Yeah, and that's probably one of the things where I got burned once or twice on something like that. And then, um, so now when people contact me, you know, like, you know, send, send them to PSA, send them to BGS, whatever, um, get them in a protective holder, and then we can talk. Have a thing, so. Yeah. All right, so let's close with this Carl Edwards card, and then you and I can go do our Memorial Day festivities. But uh, yeah. pretty interesting Carl Edwards card that showed up on social media within the past week or so. Yeah, that was uh, really interesting. Um, let me see here exactly um, the make of that card. So it was a 2016 um, National Treasures 
and the, it was on eBay, and the gentleman um, uh, said that it hadn't redeemed it, and he was on a break back in 2016, early in January 2016, and he he sent it away, and it only redeemed um, just a couple of weeks ago. Part of that is because early in 2016, Carl Edwards um, retired abruptly um, before the start of the season. So I imagine trying to get him to redeem some stuff is probably not the highest on his, his list. And this is one of those really cool some surprises from a redemption. Um, it was a. Uh, where is it here? Um, I have it. So it was a 2016 National Treasures Auto Race U sheet metal card, number 10 of 10. So it was a gold version. It was 10 of 10. And oh, it would sign it, but it looks like he smeared. He didn't let it dry. He must have made his hand. It's weird. It almost off. looks like a double signature. Yeah, he did. He went back over it. Yeah. And I think he realized that he made it worse uh, instead of uh, better. And then he wrote, sorry, it's smeared, and then initialed it with a little CE. So, because the guy said that he thought, oh, man, um, when, he redeemed, when he got it in the math, that was actually pretty cool and unique, and it definitely is a, a conversation piece. And so that was on eBay for the week, and it closed at right under $300, I think. Yeah, $295 is what, 17 bids for $295. Um, and it looks like the other ones are nowhere near that. Yeah, we were talking, we had seen one of the other nine, I mean, of the other ten, and somebody wanted to buy it now at 90 um, yeah, which realistically would probably end up being probably 65 or so. So, I mean, you're talking four or 500% increase for this inscription. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. okay, this is the thing that I love about the hobby. Uh, things that, um, I guess, not predictable sometimes. And we had talked about before, there's other ones out there. Um, with the uh, Danica and Junior that hasn't shown yet or is not shown publicly yet that was in the prime last year where she didn't sign and he, she filled her part in saying that she didn't sign or something like that. Um, you know, these cool little uh, nuggets that you find. And uh, like I said, this was very box break and it was just a normal redemption and who would have known that it was redeemed so well imagine if you could and you probably would have got twenty three bucks for it back then and then you know you waited and get something like this. So I guess you never know when you get every every redemption. You're gonna get yeah, some bonus like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. And there's some guys on the nuts. Uh, there's one one or two guys that me get on the nuts um, Facebook group that they go after the inscriptions. PressPass did a lot of inscriptions. Um, I almost hope maybe Panini sees this and and maybe does an inscription type line. I'm not sure. Um, but they pay big dollars uh, for the inscriptions. So, And that made me think of, um, you know, we talk about pricing and stuff, and um, 
I did see there was a, a guy on uh, Facebook that was looking for some one-on-ones of Kyle Larson. He's a huge Kyle Larson uh, fan. But a guy had, I think it was a buy it now for a Larson 2015 one-on-one auto, and it was right at like 650 bucks. So, I mean, $650 to me is a lot of money, but yeah, I would imagine in baseball, a one-on-one, that would be, you know, what would uh, let's see, Bryce Harper one-on-one be or something? It's, it's a weird conversation to have because Bryce Harper probably has so many one-on-ones where Kyle Larson doesn't, you know, so it's a different conversation. Uh, they could go a hundred different ways. I don't think a one-on-one for Harper would necessarily be 650, but I think if there was a lot more scarcity on the amount of one-on-ones, he'd probably be pushing, you know, a thousand dollars each time. You know, if it was as limited as some of the racing stuff is, so uh, definitely some comparison, but some contrast as well. So you know, I learned something. Yeah, there's just baseball, so much to pick from with racing. You know, we've talked four or five releases a year, so you really, uh, player or driver collectors can really have some more success with racing as opposed to, like, a baseball super collector. It's, like, it's nearly impossible, so, but. Yeah, so, yeah. So I guess, you know, um, you know, racing is still somewhat affordable. And are you guys, uh, you guys run any specials on racing? Um, they are doing, Steel City Collectibles is doing a 40 under 40 sale this weekend. So a bunch of items under $40 and everything's in, not everything's included, but everything's included as in, um, all the sports, you know, it's a variety of products running this weekend. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I think I was out there and I looked, I saw my favorite 2016 certified at $35 a box. Okay. Yeah, that was my favorite piece of that. I think that's oh, four yeah. hits per box, so not a bad well, price. It's got, it's got Christopher Bell and Tyler Reddick. Uh, he won yesterday. We already talked about the Xfinity yesterday, but Tyler, Tyler yeah. Reddick won. Christopher Bell um, didn't finish the race. So uh, you got Reddick and Bell and, and William Byron, so that, that's loaded. So uh, everybody's looking for a cheap potential hit a hit up. Something big in uh, uh, 2016 certified. Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess uh, that'll wrap it up for today. We'll have to see about talking to the Ken and see about doing the T36. Uh, if not, we can um, continue on to the 1983 Uno set. Um, so stay tuned for the next uh, episode. And again, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please give us, um, please, you know, re- re- uh, give us a rating review of. Uh, podcast tell us what we can do ask questions uh i'm at fast card radio on twitter jason am i missing anything nope thank, thank you got everything and i will definitely get ken on uh to talk indie stuff even if it's not this week for the result we'll uh we'll definitely get him on here in the future that should be an easy easy conversation to have with him so but yep yeah, everything sounds all good all right well everybody thanks for listening have a safe happy uh memorial day weekend and we'll catch you next week All right, guys, have a good weekend.